On August 18, 1996, in Buenos Aires, Argentina, there was a priest celebrating Mass. And so he finished the Mass, and somebody came up to him afterwards and said, Father, I found this host in the back of the church. So somebody had apparently dropped it, maybe it had gotten dirty, and they didn't want to uh, eat the host at that point, and so they just left it there. So the person brought the host back to the priest, and he said, okay, thank you for doing this. What we're going to do is dissolve the host in water, and then we can dispose of it. That's what we would normally do in a situation like that. Once the host dissolves and it's no longer a host anymore, then the presence of Jesus is no longer there anymore. And we can put it in a special sink in the sacristy called a sacrarium, which goes right into the ground, and we can uh, dispose of the host in a respectful way in that way. All right, so that's what the priest intended to do. He put the host in a little cup of water. He put it in the tabernacle and said, okay, I'll come back in a day or two. I'll check on it, and we'll dispose of it. So that's what he did. And then he came back the next day or so. He looked at the cup of water, and instead of finding a dissolved host in there, what he found instead was what looked like flesh and blood. And so he reported this to the local bishop. It was Bishop Jorge Mario Bergoglio, who would later go on to become Pope Francis. And so he went to the bishop and said, Bishop, this amazing thing has happened. We tried to dissolve a host. It looks like flesh and blood now. What do we do? And the bishop said, well, let's be patient. Let's leave it for a while. Let's see what happens. And so they did. They kept it in the tabernacle. They kept it secret for three years, actually. They were patient. They waited to see what would happen. And so after three years, it looked just the same as it did on that first day. The flesh and blood hadn't decomposed or changed or or anything like that. And so at that point, Bishop Bergoglio said, all right, let's do some testing on this. Let's see what we can find out about what's happened here. And so they did. They They sent a piece of uh, what was in the cup to some experts in New York, actually. And in the interest of objectivity, they didn't tell the experts where the sample was coming from. They simply sent a sample to the experts in New York and said, what can you tell us about this? And so they had all sorts of scientific and medical experts, one of which being the, the, like, foremost leading cardiologist in the world who knew the most about um, the heart and the heart tissue. So they did their tests on this, and they found a few things. They found, first of all, that it was, in fact, human flesh, human heart tissue, in fact, from, from the left ventricle. And what the cardiologist was able to tell them was even more amazing. He said, I can tell you two very important things about this sample. First, yes, it comes from the heart, but the heart that this comes from suffered very much. This person probably was tortured before they died, and this is obvious from the sample that you have given us. But the second thing he told them was even more amazing. He said, this sample that you have given me came from a living heart. The heart was alive when this sample came from it. And so he asked them, how did you get this sample? How did you get this sample from the heart while it was still alive? And at that point, they had to tell him, well, this came actually from the Eucharist. This came from a miraculous event. It was the Eucharist, and then it changed into this flesh and blood, and so that's what we've given you today. Of course, at that point, the scientists, the doctors, had no explanation. There's no reasonable explanation for it, right? It's simply something that can't be attributed for. It's a miracle that happened. 
And so they did further testing, in fact. There was another similar miracle that happened in Lanciano, Italy, where a priest, I think it was a few centuries ago, where a priest was doubting his faith, he was doubting what was happening at Mass, and so one day as he was celebrating Mass, he held up the host, and it turned into a piece of flesh in his hand. And that miracle is preserved in Lanciano, Italy today. You can actually go there and see that host that turned into flesh. I've done it. It's amazing. You can go there and see it. And so they took a piece of that miracle and compared it to the miracle that happens in Argentina, and they found some further very interesting things. They found that both samples are from the same person. They're AB positive blood type, and they're consistent with a person who was born and lived in the Middle Eastern region. And so, brothers and sisters, I tell you all of this, first of all, because it's incredible. It's Eucharistic miracles in our faith, things that we should know about. But also, to put us in a similar situation to what the lepers in the gospel experience today. So there were ten lepers. They call out to Jesus and say, essentially, Lord, give us a miracle. Lord, heal us. Do something for us. And Jesus does. He heals them miraculously. And they go on their way. And then only one of them, realizing it, comes back to Jesus. And So what we see happening is that Nine of them, after experiencing the power of Jesus Christ, after experiencing that miracle, nine of them go back to the way things were. They go back to their life previously. They go back to the temple. But one of them, experiencing the power of Jesus Christ, goes to Jesus and says, thank you, and glorifies him. And we, brothers and sisters, are faced with the same decision. When we experience the power of Jesus Christ, what do we do with it? Do we simply go back to our lives? Do we go back to the way things were? Or do we recognize the power of Jesus Christ and say, wow, this has to change my life. This experience of the power of Jesus Christ has to change everything about me. And I have to go to Jesus always and glorify him with what I'm doing. When we experience Eucharistic miracles, when we experience Marian apparitions, or we hear about miraculous healings that happen, what does that do in our hearts? Do we simply say, "Mm, yeah, that's nice, and then go back to our regular lives? Or do we say, wow, that's amazing. Jesus is truly working in our world today, just as he was 2,000 years ago. And so I need to follow him. I need to give him my life. Because it's when we simply look at ourselves. It's when we stay focused on our own lives. It's when we go back to the way things were that Jesus can't work any great works in our lives. But it's when we lift up our eyes, rather, to Jesus and go to him and say, Yes, Lord, I believe in you. I believe in your power. And I want to be your disciple. That's when he can do great things. So this is the third week in our homily series, Lift Up Your Eyes. What do we do, brothers and sisters, when we experience the power of Jesus Christ? Do we lift up our eyes to him and say, Lord, thank you. Please continue to do great things in my life. And that's what we're called to do today. And so I want to remind you here, as I did last weekend, that every time we come to Mass, a real miracle is happening. Simple bread and wine truly turns into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And we're able to partake in that. 
What does that do in our hearts? What does that do in our lives? Do we simply come here on Sunday, participate in a miracle, and then just go back the rest of the week and say, yeah, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to ignore Jesus this week until I come back next Sunday. Or do we participate in this and say, thank you, Jesus. Be a part of every part of my life. Continue to do great things in all aspects of my life. I want to be your disciple. Do we let what happens here at Mass really change our lives? And so let us continue to open our hearts to Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. Let us receive the great works that he has done and continues to do in in our own lives and in the world around us. Let us continue to strive always to be the good and holy disciples he calls us to be. Do not be unbelieving, but believe.